What is up, Encounter? How are we doing? I appreciate the woo people out there. Y'all are good people. <laughs> hey, yeah, okay. Okay, there's more. Um, yeah, welcome. I, one last plug for missions. Y'all, uh, legitimately missions changed my life here as a college student. I would not be standing here right now if I did not do missions as a college student. And so, man, if there's, and like Lindsay said, if there's an ounce within you that is interested, legit come talk to me and I will tell you why you should go on a mission trip after encounter. Midnight is when they're due. Hey, um, fall's here. Yeah? Are we fall people? That also means it's getting darker sooner, right? Some people aren't excited about that. Hey, how many people when you were young were afraid of the dark? Raise your hand. Let me see it. Okay, I know some of you guys are lying. It's okay. God still loves you. Um, how many people here are like low-key still afraid of the dark? Hey, the brave souls. My wife would raise her hand with you. Y'all, my daughter's afraid of the dark, okay? She's, she's four years old, and I, I know her imagination runs wild, but like, you know, we have a, we have a get, getting ready for bed routine, right? Where we turn on her alarm clock, which is like shines bright lights, right? And then we go and we turn on her sound machine, which is an owl and has a light up in the front and up top. And then right, you know, every season, my mother-in-law is a decoration fanatic. So there's a light up something every season. Right now there's a big light up pumpkin in her room. And now within the past like two weeks, we have to leave on the light to the bathroom outside of her room to shine into the hallway, right? At this point, she's sleeping in like broad daylight. But it's like sometimes still not enough. She'll like call me in the middle of the night. She'll say, Dad, I'm, I'm afraid. And I ask her what she's afraid about. She's like, I'm afraid of the dark. And, um, and my heart breaks a little bit because I'm like, babe, there's, there's, there's a lot of light here. Like, and I point out all the light that's around, and she acknowledges that there, she's not actually in the dark. But I feel like there's sometimes where we can relate with that, where sometimes we feel like it's darker around us than what it actually is, right? And so tonight, we're going to be talking about another one of Jesus' I am statements. Uh, past two weeks, Ben talked about what Jesus is not. Joe talked about how Jesus is the bread of life. And tonight, we're going to be talking about how Jesus is the light of the world. And we're actually gonna be uh, finishing off the series for the rest of the semester. You guys, after this, there's five encounters left of the semester. Isn't that wild? That's kind of crazy. <laughs> for those of you who like still a lot of work at, you know, for school left, I, I just freaked you out, sorry. Stay with me. There's light in the darkness, okay? Um, but it's pretty cool, because I love this series, because legitimately all we do for the rest of the semester is talking about who Jesus said he is. Like, we're talking about who Jesus is. That's it, for the rest of the semester. Which, hopefully, is exciting to you, because it's exciting to me. Um, not who he used to be, not who, um, you know, not, not who he is going to be in the future, but who he is today for you and for me. So let me go ahead and pray for us as we start. Lord, love this group. And I love that this room is filled with people that you love even more. And so tonight, as we talk about who you are, I pray that the reality that you are the light of the world becomes real to us. 
God, that as we walked through this door, this idea that you are light, um, changes us in some way tonight. As I know, it's changed me as I prep this. Lord, that's our prayer. Change us tonight with your light. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God has always delighted in revealing himself to humanity. God is always delighted in revealing himself to humanity. I think when you ask people maybe who they think God is, they probably have an idea in their mind that he is some God far away in heaven, twiddling his thumb, uh, having better things to do to care about the humanity of this world. But, but God, in his character, has always delighted in revealing himself to us. How many of y'all had nicknames growing up or still have a nickname? Good amount of you. Um, have you guys seen like the TikTok going around where it's like, I probably, I maybe not. I don't know if you guys get like baby parent TikTok stuff. It's not part of your algorithm. But there's a TikTok going around where it's like, it's like I spent nine months, you know, looking for the perfect, or coming up with a perfect name and I end up calling you whatever, something crazy. But like, so, Katie and I spent nine months thinking of the perfect name. Me th- spent a long more, lot more time than that to come up with the name Nico. And from the first minute he was born, his nickname, the, something we've all called him, like me, Katie, and Ella, is some form of Bubba, Bubby, Bubs, Bubmaster, Bub Dude, Buddy. Like, and it's all in like this sing song, you know, fun thing. But like, Nico's a pretty dope name, and I, like, I hardly ever call him Nico. So, but I think, it's, I think it's, it's funny because, you know, he's been around for about 11 weeks now, and I swear every week Ella comes in and he's like, I have a new name for Nico. It's Bubbinator or whatever. And, um, but I think, like, the more nicknames or the longer you're with someone, those nicknames begin to begin to mean something more to you than just a name, right? It's almost like this intimate um, connection that you have um, with someone. You might have a nickname that only a certain amount of people can call you. And if somebody else calls you, you're like, ooh, it's kind of weird. It doesn't roll off the tongue quite well. If somebody walked into our house and called Nick, Nico Bubbinator, I'd be like, who are you? Um, but nicknames reveal an intimacy between us and someone. And so this idea that God delights in revealing himself to humanity, I, I love that we see in the Bible that, that there are a lot of names to call our God, right? And we've, we've, it's been mentioned, you know, in the past few months or so, but there's a lot of names that we can call, call our God. Jehovah Jireh, from the song we've sung the past few months, means the God who provides, Jehovah Nisai, God our banner. Jehovah M. Kadesh, God who sanctifies. Jehovah Rohai, God our shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. You know, I think it's so cool that like those nicknames, those nicknames, those names, there are like so many more than that. But what I think is cool is that to each one of us, that means something a little bit different. But that also creates a little bit of a deeper, honest, authentic connection with our God. God the healer means something different to you than it might 
than, than it might to me. God, our banner might, mean, might look different to you than it does to me. You see, God, what I've come to learn is, is love. And as an extension of his character, he shows himself to us. He delights in showing himself to us. In fact, he's not a God that just twiddles his thumb up in heaven waiting to see what happens. He's a God that reveals himself to us. And the crescendo of that story, like we know, like we've heard, is Jesus. Jesus showing up not just as a rabbi, not just as a teacher, not just as some dude that walks around performing miracles, but Jesus showing up, like John 1 says, becoming flesh, revealing the character of God himself. And so this, the rest of the semester, as we are unpacking these I am statements, we're unpacking who Jesus is at this very moment. All of a sudden, Jesus being the bread of life means something different because it is, it, it is a way of revealing the Lord. And I love, I love that we get to look at this, you know, through the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a little bit different than the other Gospels. The rest of the Gospels, the other, the other three Gospels, are more of kind of like a, 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 a documentary style telling of, the, uh, of Jesus' life. More of like what happened, when it happened, um, kind of setting the scene. John um, is more dedicated to telling us about who Jesus is. If you've never noticed that before, go ahead and read the Gospels back again. There's a reason why if somebody, if somebody follows Jesus for the first time, I'm, I'm reading through John first because it tells a little bit more of who Jesus is rather than what happened. You're going to get what happened, but it's focused focus on his character. In turn, it's focused on the character of God. So who is Jesus? Tonight we're talking about him being light. And the verse we're going to be based out of tonight is out of John 8. And John 8 Verse 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is saying that whoever follows Jesus will never walk in darkness, never walk in fear, never walk in confusion. In the same way that Ella wakes up at two in the morning, confused and afraid, Jesus says there's rescue from that. That instead, light brings life. And tonight I want to break this down a little bit with a few observations about what does this mean for the world. If Jesus came and he claimed to be light, and he claimed that whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but instead will walk in life, tonight I want to break it down and I want to see what does that mean for the world. What does that mean for our friends who don't know Jesus? And what does that mean for some of us in the room tonight who feel like the light is a little dim right now? And so, first point we are going to be talking about tonight, what I think light does, is that light reveals God. If you're a note taker, go ahead and write that down. Light reveals God. Jesus is saying here in this verse in, in John, that I want to reveal the creator to you, the maker of the heavens and of the earth. 
I want to reveal God to you because light reveals God. Light reveals beauty. Light simply reveals. You see, since the beginning of time, humanity has always pondered God. Since the beginning of time, there's always been this question deep ingrained within us about what's out there. Who, who is God? Who created us? Do they know me? Do they want to know me? You see, we are, we're knit together as a common thread in this, which I think is pretty cool. Like, it doesn't matter if you're, where you come from, if you're poor or rich or educated, uneducated. Like, we have always asked the same question about God. We've always thought about this idea about there being something bigger than ourselves. And there's something inside every human heart that I think is put there by God. Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity on the hearts of man. What that means is that there's something inside of us that longs to know him and be known by him. We were made to know him, and God put that on our heart. He knew we were going to ask these questions about him. Is God mad at me? Is he, is he here? Is he absent? Is he apathetic? Does he like me? He knew we were going to ask these questions, so he responded. And his response, who is God? His response is Jesus. His response is light. John 1.9 says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. God's response to us about who he is is Jesus. And John says that Jesus is light. And here's where this is a game changer. Because John 1, 9 says that the one who is the true light, Jesus, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. See, up until now, there was this notion that God was only for the select few, that God was only for the Jewish people. And Jesus came and knocked that out of the park, and he said, actually, Jesus, who is light, is coming for everyone. Those of you who came into the, grew up in the church, those of you who stumbled in here tonight having no idea what is going on in your life, those of you who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, those of you who think you have a pristine, ordered life, and those of you who can barely keep it together. Jesus, the true light, came into the world for all of you. And y'all, this is the good news. Jesus reveals a beautiful story because what he's saying, what he's saying is that I am the light of the world means that God is not absent. Instead, he's present. Emmanuel means God with us. God's not angry. He's loving. He's not empathetic. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the storm you're facing at this very moment, and he promises to be there with you. He senses you. He feels you. You see, we've always asked these questions about God. The light reveals God to us, and this is good news. And I know there's some people in here um, who might not be ready to hear this message. 
And there are some people in here who are like, oh, there's an all-knowing being who knows everything about my life. Um, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that. I want you to know, if that's you in this room, um, that God loves you. And he'll wait for you. And he'll keep pursuing you today and tomorrow and the next day. Jesus reveals the character of God. And by him coming to earth to die instead of you, like I, like was said, if I'll retreat, you get the opportunity to call him your healer. You're, you get the opportunity to wave him as your banner. You get the opportunity to call him your sanctifier and your rescuer. God's love. He's compassionate. He's graceful. This is great news. And so to clear up the question, what's God like? We see in Jesus, he's good. Second thing that light does is that it exposes darkness. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says that he, talking about Jesus, will bring light to what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the hearts. Okay, here we go. Now we're digging in now because for some of you, this, this, is, <laughs> this is the scary part. Because we think about this phrase, being exposed. Um, does, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a little threatening, huh? <laughs> like, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily make you feel good um, with this idea of being exposed. You know, um, there's, there's this idea, you know, if you read an expose on someone's life, Typically, it's written to ruin their career or reputation. But what I think is interesting about this idea that light exposes darkness is that if God is good, if we learn through Jesus that God's character is not angry at you, does not want to belittle you or shame you, then I think with that, what, we, what we can read in here is that Jesus will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and he will expose the motives of your heart because God understands that the, that the darkness in your life, the sin in your life, um, equals death. That the wages of sin is death and he doesn't want to live, you to live a life marked by death but a life that is marked with the testimony of who he is, and that is the reason he exposes. You see, exposure, exposure doesn't bring shame. Exposure brings life. We got a photo I want you guys to look at here. So this is an underexposed photo. For those of you guys who don't know, I'm a photographer. know a little bit about, about photography. And what you see here um, is an underexposed photo. So there is darkness that has taken over this photo. And we can get into the technicalities of what, of what makes that underexposed. But what we see here, we see kind of an idea of what's happening here. There's a skyline, there's a sky, there's clouds, something's shining off here. And I think um, this underexposed photo is a good representation 
of what happens when we live our life in darkness. When we live our life in sin, what happens is that we walk through life, and there, people have an idea of what's happening in our life, right? You see some of the stuff. We see some of the outlines of stuff. There's a little bit of light coming through. Um, but what's happening is that when we live, live our life in darkness, there is beauty that is behind here that can't be seen. When we are living an underexposed life, we are robbing ourselves with living the life of freedom and love and joy that God intended us to live. See what happens when we live a properly exposed life, this is what it looks like. There's a lot of beauty in this photo. There's a lot of detail and things that are behind the scene. And what happens when we live our life underexposed, you never get to see any of the little boats. You never get to see the physical characteristics of the buildings, or the little moment of love that's happening there, or the detail or architecture or the light streaming through. You see, a properly exposed life is beautiful. A properly exposed life is a life the way that Christ intended it to be. We can move on from that. You see, we, in the same way we all have something connected with each other, of always asking the question of what is, what's bigger than myself, we also are connected in this idea that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And that doesn't mean you haven't tried, and it doesn't mean that, um, that, you're not, that you're not good enough. All it means is that you're not God. But the real downside of this is that from the fall is that this sin leads to death. The good news is that Jesus comes along to expose this sin not to damage, not to hurt, but to heal. Not to belittle, but to build back up. Here's the reality. I, as a follower of Jesus, cannot live a life in darkness. It can't happen. Because what I'm doing is I'm choosing a light of darkness, that first photo, or you're choosing a life properly exposed, like the second photo. And let me, be, let me be honest with you. It's, it, it could be very easy for me to come up here and preach that this is easy. It's all hunky-dory. All you have to do is just confess your sins to Jesus and everything will be perfectly fine. No, the reality is the exposure of sin is hard. And it hurts. And a lot of times it requires you to give up stuff that feels good to you. But what happens when we expose ourselves to the light, when, we, when our darkness is exposed, what happens is that we get a glimpse of the life that Christ intended to us, that full and beautiful picture of the skyline and the couple and the boats and the sun and the sky. Christ intended for our lives to be full, not to be heavy. Christ intended for our lives to be properly exposed, not hidden. 
See, being in light will expose things. Not to heal, or not to hurt, but to heal. Light exposes always for our good. Third thing that we can take away from tonight is that light transforms everything. Okay, so we know that Jesus comes along and he lets us know for once and for all that what the Creator's like. He's not angry. He's not mad at you. He's not empathetic. Actually, he's compassionate. He's not absent, but he's here. And not only does he clear up that question, but he exposes darkness. He comes so that you have the opportunity to surrender the mess that is in your life and saying, God, I can't do it anymore. It's not mine to deal with, and I need you to take it. See, light transforms everything. When Jesus first preached this, when Jesus first said that I am the light of the world, his original audience would have had their minds transported to the law, to the Old Testament. Okay, see, Jewish people, when they were younger, they would memorize a large portion of the Torah. And so they, the first five books. And so the very first words of the Bible in Genesis says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Y'all, every Jewish person knew this. And so put yourselves in their shoes with a Jewish audience, and Jesus says, I am light. Every kid at a young age knew what he was talking about. He knew that in the beginning there was God, and in the beginning there was nothingness. Everything was formless. The earth was formless, it was empty, and it was dark. And then everything changed when he said, let there be light. Guys, every Jewish person knows the implication of light. When God said, let there be light, the environment was transformed. When God said, let there be light, formlessness took shape. When God said, let there be light, emptiness was filled with beauty. When God said, let there be light, nothingness became something. You see, I, I, don't, have, I, just, I don't have any doubt that when Jesus said, hey, I'm the light, that he intended people to hear this. If you are living a life that's formless, let me build a beautiful structure out of your life. If you are living a life that lacks purpose, that lacks identity, that lacks meaning, that has no destiny, I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus is saying, I, Jesus, want to change that. I want to transform that. I want to take your formless life and make it into a beautiful structure that points to heaven, marked with purpose, so that others would know the goodness of my Father. I have no doubt that Jesus is saying, you are living your life like an underexposed photo. There is beauty down there that is being suppressed by sin. Let me expose it correctly. Let me expose that darkness so the beauty that is lying within people will see and know of my goodness because of it. 
You see, Jesus came, and where he said there was helplessness, I bring hope. When he said, where you can't breathe, I will breathe oxygen into your soul. When you say, I can't trust, he said, I'll teach you, and I'll show you how to trust. When you say, I don't think I could ever be loved by anyone, Jesus came to say, not only will you and can you be loved by a community of believers, but you will be loved by the creator of the universe. Light transforms everything. When Jesus said this, people's minds journeyed to a time where there was no light, where everything was void, where everything was empty, and that light changed everything. And Jesus declared, hey, I'm the light. You got questions about God? I got answers. Good news, I'm the light. There's stuff in your world that's ruining your peace. There's stuff in your life that's ruining your joy. Let me expose it. Let me bring healing to your life. I'm the light. I'm going to change everything. Your life doesn't need to be empty anymore. It doesn't need to be one big void. And so tonight, maybe Jesus is clearing his throat <clears throat> and saying to you, friend, child, son, daughter, sweetheart, I want to fight for you. I want to be your lights because my light changes everything. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I was 18 years old, and I had no idea who Jesus was. I had questions about whether or not life mattered, what my role was in this life, what I was good at, why people liked me. And what happened is I was living a life that was uh, pleasing just to myself. I used girls. I was mean to people who didn't serve me. Um, I used my, my looks and my popularity and my athletic ability and my smarts to manipulate um, things to my, to my liking. I was living a life of darkness. And when I went to college, I started school at the University of Minnesota. And I had the opportunity there, not knowing anybody, to change the way that I was living my life. There was something inside of me that wanted to really badly. And the one person at the university of over 55,000 people, the person I met at camp, he was a follower of Jesus. Um, and there's something inside of me that was like, hey, go find Greg. And a few months went by, and I was giving in to some of those dark um, desires, those desires that I was talking about that feel good. And I was living a party lifestyle, was continuing to use girls, continuing to manip manipulate friendships. And that fall, when I was 18, hundreds of miles away from home, uh, my house burnt down. 
and I lost everything. It was the first time in my life that I couldn't talk my way out of a situation, or I couldn't, uh, I couldn't manipulate someone to help me. And nobody answered my text that night besides Greg. And Greg did simply <laughs> what God tells us to do. He clothed me and he fed me. He sheltered me. And that began a friendship where Greg brought the light of Jesus into my life. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives life to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Greg was the lamp on the stand for me to see Jesus. And it was later that year that I surrendered my life to him and everything changed because the darkness was exposed, because God was revealed, because light changes everything. Jesus is the game changer. And so, how many ever years later it is now, I feel the calling in my life to take this Matthew verse seriously to be a light on a stand so that others will know Jesus. Not because I'm perfect, not because I'm good enough, but because where there's light, there can't be darkness. No amount of darkness could overtake this light. And so my question to you is where do you need the light in your life? Where in your heart, in your story, is the light needed? I want you to know it's here for the taking. Jesus came to transform everything for you because he loves you. God, I thank you for your light. And I thank you that no matter what we do or what we say or what we think, that your light can't be distinguished because of it. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die instead of us and for that light to be accessible to everyone in this room. I pray that as carriers of this light, that the, our campuses and our communities and our families and the halls of our residence halls and our classrooms and our workplaces and our relationships and friendships are changed because of the light that is carried out of here. If there's conviction that is laying here tonight, Spirit, I pray you convict more. If there's excitement that lays in this room for people to to take this light and show it to the world. Spirit, take that light. Utilize this group of students to change the world. 
because of the light that you've given us. Amen.